Hello, thank you for clicking play. If you're passionate about supporting small business, small creators and are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you considered supporting me and the show via Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes where you can join us from as little as £3.50 a month. You'll be supporting the making of the show, enable me to keep the show ad free, get behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Just click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Independent Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We celebrate those who are doing wonderful, creative things in the most difficult of circumstances. We'll be going behind the scenes of businesses and shops you love that you look forward to visiting and that add joy to your high street. I'm your host, Alexandra. Welcome along. Thank you so much for the reviews and messages you've sent in about the episode so far. It's so wonderful to hear from listeners what new shops you've discovered through the series, how inspired you've been by founders and how you've enjoyed hearing some positivity through such difficult times. So thank you. In today's episode, we continue our St. Stephen Street series with Love Crumbs or many Love Crumbs as their shop at number 22 is known. Mentioned in our last episode with Golden Hair Books, Mini Love Crumbs offers a cosy nook on the street to escape into a large slice of cake and a cracking cup of coffee. But Love Crumbs has other strings to its bow. We chat to founder Holly about their story so far, the importance of coffee shops and communities, sheer grit and determination in making a business work, as well as how resilient she's been in overcoming the many challenges that 2020 continues to throw at small business. Welcome to the welcome to the show, Holly. Lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me. I've listened to a couple of your previous ones, and they're so nice. So I'm really glad to be part of it. Oh, oh, thank you very much. I know it's been such a pleasure to speak to all these lovely businesses. Basically, it's just a way for me to kind of go around all the businesses I love to shop at and just like be nosy and find out how they all started. So it's been a total pleasure. So thank you. Um, so, so yes, love crumbs. Let's start from the beginning. So um, a, a brand and a, a company very close to a lot of people's heart in Edinburgh, people who are love your cakes and love the whole ethos of your place. Um, so tell us, how did it all begin? Where did where did you sort of, um, yeah, how did it all start? Uh, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, we um, have got some great customers um, and I'll talk about them a lot because they're the kind of driving force behind the business. But um, we... I started with a business partner um, nine years ago, and we started as a wholesale um, bakery, so baking cakes for other cafes and bars and restaurants and things. Um, and the, the cafe kind of came from that. So it came from a place of making all these nice things for other people um, and working in this uh, industrial unit with no windows, no customers, no public interaction, um, and me needing that so um my business partner was an amazing baker she would bake uh you know just the most incredible stuff uh, it seemed to come so naturally to her and just that is not me I'm not great at that at all and um, so I was setting up the website doing the accounts the invoicing all that kind of other stuff um but really loved coffee and loved chatting to people so definitely wanted to um, have our own place to share these uh, cakes with people and um you know to really get into the what was 
at the time, kind of the beginning of the speciality coffee scene in Edinburgh, um, at the time mm. we only really had um, artisan roast and John Sharp, who's got the Wellington um, Kilimanjaro kind of group. Um, but there wasn't really much else at the time. Uh, my business partner and I had been down in London and we'd just seen all this amazing stuff happening. So we thought, and I'd just been living in Sydney and came back and thought, you know, we just need more of this in Edinburgh. Oh, interesting. So does Sydney have quite a thriving coffee scene then? Yeah, the Australian coffee scene okay. was just way ahead. And then London, of course, is always ahead of Edinburgh. We are always a little slower on the uptake. Into the universe. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so we just thought, let's get in on that. I loved um, I loved coffee. I loved making coffee. and um, We loved hanging out in cafes and that whole culture. Um, and that year was really amazing because there was this kind of boom in Edinburgh where you'd gone from one or two places to just suddenly there was loads of really good coffee places opening. And the um, the scene was really supportive. There wasn't competition. It was um, everyone kind of helping each other. At the time, most of us were buying from Artisan Roast because they were the only roaster in Edinburgh. So the support you were getting from them uh, was incredible. Uh, and it was just like a really nice community to be part of people who are just so passionate about bringing this um coffee to edinburgh and so that's kind of why we we started love crumbs to be part of that but also to have this amazing cake offering uh yeah so that's yeah do that's where it started just to share coffee and cake with people and uh, yeah my business partner had the kind of baking side down and this was a, something for me to get really into um, and we were still doing wholesale so you know, we were working 20-hour days, um, seven days a week, like these mad shifts. And we would drive around in the van and just have like a cry sometimes. And it was so hard. Um, but it was so <laughs> much fun, so much fun. Uh, and, you know, from the very beginning, we've had such a varied um, and really interesting customer base. Um, so families, like all the mad people of Westport, we've got... Um, we moved into Westport kind of by mistake. We were looking for a premises about three or 400 square feet, so um, quite tiny, um, baking off site and then just a kind of outpost for cake and coffee, takeaway, that kind of thing. And we'd seen somewhere in West Bow, so that's the other side of the grass market. We called the guy, he was going to show us round, and on the day he called and was like, oh, actually, that's gone, but there's a really big unit in Westport I can show you and we thought mm, okay that's, the opposite, what you're looking that's for. not really what we're after but we'll have a look and it was in the middle of the recession um, and it was more money than we wanted to spend but because we're in this recession our landlady just wanted someone in there so we went and saw this space it was way too big but we loved it the windows the layout we just thought it was really beautiful it had lots of potential and she gave us a third off the rent so we thought you know what this is let's just do it oh, and it was next door to Herman Brown which was my absolute favorite shop when I was at college I was at the art college just around the corner from Love Crumbs and we'd go into oh, um, to, to Herman Brown all the time just to, I think it's an amazing shop and um, so we've got Herman Brown on one side and the western bar on the other side um, and Westport was just coming out of this like quite a little bit of a kind of seedy vibe um its nickname in Edinburgh is the pubic triangle um because there's three strip clubs in a in a little triangle so 
you say to people over in Holy Trinity. Exactly. <laughs> Place to be. Uh, <laughs> and people would ask for VR and I'd say, Westport. Oh, I don't know where that is. Um, near the grass market. Mm, where about exactly? And you say, you know, it's the pubic triangle. And people in Edinburgh know <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, so it was this kind of like mad area. And you've got offices, yeah. residents, the art school, um, Lodino, the grass market, mm. tourists. You kind of got everyone. And when we very first opened, it was mainly residents and um, art students so it had a real tight community kind of feel um but yeah at the time we were running the wholesale I was running the cafe alone and if you've been in the cafe now like you can't picture one person running that whole space but it was so quiet in the early days um so that's kind of the the very beginning days and we just took off from there um yeah and you have taken off haven't you because I mean like I say, people have a real affection for, I mean, because con- the confections that you make are gorgeous. Like they're really beautiful to look at. It's a really lovely, welcoming space when you have coffee. I'm thinking uh, Westport is, well, Westport's got a, di- a vibe in itself, but also thinking about the St. Stephen Street series and thinking about this, um, the mini love crumbs you have is like a little cosy nook. It's like you're sort of like this little hideaway in this sort of centre of Edinburgh. So how how when you think about the vibe that you've created in the in the, the the places and the cafes and things, was were you inspired by a by Sydney or by that kind of coffee culture or was it was it just is it just you is it is that, is that what we're feeling is it just sort of your warmth coming through in the in the spaces? Um, I th- I think with Westport, um, I'd just come from art college. Uh, I'd been working for other small food-based uh, family-run businesses in Edinburgh and um, then had been in Sydney um, and it had been inspired by the kind of coffee culture there so it's kind of an amalgamation of this art school sensibility of making something out of nothing because mm. you you know you, I don't have loads of money lying around to make these glorious fancy sculptures <laughs> you know it's, yeah. it's taking um, an idea and turning it into uh, a, a reality so there's this definite art school aesthetic this art school vibe of just kind of cobbling together something from nothing yeah Uh, but also I'd come from retail and I'd worked in a cafe for a really short while um so I didn't have a whole bunch of cafe hospitality experience so setting up a cafe without that experience was quite an interesting experience and I really came to it from this like art school performance installation um like true hospitality Ah. background rather than like actual hospitality background and so it was really just like a space um for people to gather and have a great time and we used to kind of refer to it as like uh hanging out in a friend's living room we really wanted it just to feel super comfortable and super relaxed and it's kind of hectic and kind of mad and Mm. before the restrictions people would be moving furniture around they don't ask they're just like hey I've got got all these friends coming and they just move tables and it was a riot especially at the weekends um, and then um, mini love crumbs our Stockbridge um, branch uh, kind of had the same um, drive behind it but has a really different expression uh, the space is much more uh, peaceful it's much calmer uh, it's down the stairs so it's got that kind of cozy feel and mm. um, but we still wanted to go for that hanging out in your friend's living room vibe just maybe a slightly calmer friend Mm -hmm. um different friendship group you know um 
because they're, they're actually meet to I suppose the different vibes of the areas of Edinburgh, aren't they? I suppose that vibe also like fits much more into the Stockbridge kind of maybe sensibility that like, yeah. Westport is. Like you say, there's like a different vibe to the area, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're going to your Stockbridge yeah. mate's house. And maybe she's a bit calmer. <laughs> Um, but more kind of for relax. Yeah, you really wouldn't wouldn't swear and you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, bit, bit more chill. Um, and it, because of the layout, we can only really have one member of staff there. The kind of back of house area is so tiny that we had to restrict the number of tables we had in there. So we had this retail range, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about. But um, but yeah, vibe wise, uh, it's just much calmer much kind of cosier and smaller but it had the same yeah the same drive behind it was to invite you in as if you were coming to a friend's house and just feed you with delicious things and give you a really good coffee um so that's the similarity oh, even though it appears quite different you know experience wise yeah absolutely yeah because that the it's that inviting space that community that you foster is really kind of comes through so much when you come through the doors in either of your your of your branches so can I ask a little bit about the cakes and a little bit about the inspiration because they are I mean they're really beautiful to look at because they're they look very distinctively yours in that you know your style how did you what's your approach to that and and how did you decide what you were going to offer people well this is really quite kind of interesting and I think a lot of people don't know this so this is one of these behind the scenes things um mm. which might interest a, f- a few people and um, when we very yeah. first started um my business partner that was the kind of style of cake she went for and uh, we really wanted to go for natural flavors um, lots of florals lots of herbs and mm. um, seasonal but have quite a kind of natural homemade look rather than you know loads of fun stuff and um, like mars bars and stuff we wanted it to be a bit more kind of like an actual hazelnut cake you know like pretty straightforward stuff Um, but also vegetable cakes we like parsnips and and bringing in courgettes and all these kinds of things so um quite a kind of naturalistic flavor profile um Mm. and then really kind of simple um kind of homemade but to a high standard a decoration so that swirl just kind of came about as um mm. I don't know it just kind of that the, the swirl icing is just kind of a signature that's always been with us um and the idea of always having those kind of natural flavors has just stuck the whole way through um but Actually, my business partner and I um, split our partnership about four years ago. Um, so we'd just opened a second brand together. We'd run it for about a year and a half and then we split our partnership. So uh, we were left with this decision, you know, who takes what and how do we run it? Um, and because of my involvement in the Westport Love Crumbs, um, I just couldn't let that go. I was very personally invested. Um, I, I was very close to the staff that we had. Um, loved the customers. It was a real community. And when we first started, it was kind of a lifestyle business. It wasn't making very much money. I was just paying bills. Um, but it was really a lifestyle job. Um, and I was just so personally invested um, to the point where I didn't really want to let it go. But my business partner wanted to keep the kitchen to make the 
you know, to, to the, the kind of manufacturing side of things. Yeah. Um, and I thought, can Love Crumb survive without Love Crumb's cakes? And that was a really interesting question and a really difficult decision to make. Um, mm. But I felt there was enough of a community and enough of a coffee offering at the Westport shop to continue without the cakes, which seems mm. kind of mad. Um, yeah, you know, like how, how do you run a cake shop without cakes yeah. uh, so it was a really <laughs> difficult decision and a really horrible time in my life having to kind of decide that and navigate that and I think I closed for like two or three days just to mm. like get my shit together get my head in yeah. Take a stock. kind of space to make that decision and just thought you know what I love the people that are part of this community so let's just keep going and called up some local bakeries and was like can you give me some cake don't ask me why <laughs> let's just do it and <laughs> went to a friend's house one night and we just got so drunk on wine and I was like oh shit what am I going to do like I've not got any cake but I run a cake shop yeah. what the hell am I going to do and like three bottles of wine down he was like you know yeah what do you do um he was like I will do it I will be your baker I'm just oh going to do it and I was like this is the wine talking but he <laughs> did <laughs> he did it him and a friend wow. um they were just going to help us till I figured it all out. And they ended up just setting up this wholesale cake business, taking on other customers. And, I, oh you know, God. he was very familiar with our brand and the swirl and the flavors that we wanted and uh, the quality that we wanted. And they just did it. And it was incredible. They started this business. It went really well for them. And it supported us. And everyone was kind of winning. And I thought it was going to be like the worst year of my life having this big split. But actually, um, we started making more money than we ever had before. I was taking more time off than I ever had before. Um, you know, it, the staffing situation was great. And, you know, we had a really good run of it. So what I thought was going to be a disaster actually turned out to be not so bad after all. Um, wow. And then after that, that's when we opened the Stockbridge shop um, and also Company Bakery. Um, we set that up after, yeah, after the split. I set that up with um, Amy and Duncan who have Smith and Gertrude and Ben and Sashana who have Edinburgh Food Studio because I was in this position where I thought, wow. you know, if I don't have cakes, how do I make Love Crumbs run? So I thought we'll introduce some savouries and um, and if, if I never get any cakes again, I'll just become like a normal cafe that serves you sandwiches. Um, I could control that. It was something that we could produce on site. So uh, I'd been buying in all these lovely uh, ingredients from the farmer's market, making all our own pickles, doing all this lovely stuff and couldn't find like the perfect bread. Got chatting to Duncan about it and he was like, we're looking for the perfect bread. And then in one of those like hilarious moments where you're like, let's make our own bread. We were just like... <laughs> Duncan is the kind of person who you're like, hey, you want to start a bakery? And he's like, yeah. And then you're like, oh, God, let's do it. Um, we're, we're both kind of yes people, so it was a dangerous little combination. Uh, but, yeah, we kind of set this other bakery. So Company Bakery is a wholesale sourdough bakery and um, set it up on the back wow. of this idea that we kind of wanted some bread for our own places. So this year, you know, my friend had set up this baking business, making wow. cakes for us. Um, ben and Sashana and Amy and Duncan and I set up a company bakery to supply bread for us. So, you know, sometimes wow. 
wow. Everything can go to shit and then all this beautiful stuff comes out of it. So it's really not always, you know, it's not the end of the world when things go, you know, totally. quote unquote wrong. Um, Absolutely. And then, yeah, we opened Stockbridge and just this whole, this door opened where this other door had closed. So yeah, this was a bit That's of a mad year. That's so interesting. But you're so, I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. I think that, oh yeah, because that's the thing, it's hard to talk about this without coming out with all these cliches. But like, I think, yeah, like off, often through the really oh shit times, that is where you, you find out, well, I think you find out what you actually have within you. And I think you sometimes, you can draw upon stuff that you never thought you even had within you. And you think, right, you start yeah. to think, actually even a bit more clearly you start to think right okay right well if now we I thought it couldn't get any worse all right well this is terrible right how did we go <laughs> on here and it's amazing and so how, so when you set up company bakery then was that just through like part business partnerships like almost like friendships you had in the business community or did, how did that come about was it just like through conversations like you say yeah well uh, Smith and Gertrude had been a wholesale customer of us in the past so I um when we had had the original Love Crumbs wholesale. So I'd met them through that. Um, but then I also lived on St. Stephen Street um, ah. for two or three years. And so I would go into Smith & Gertrude all the time yeah. for a glass of wine, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is lovely. It was just like such a nice oh place to kind boy. of pop in on the way home. Um, so I kind of got to know them just by being a regular. Yeah. Um, and then we got they got this idea, this notion that we could maybe start this bakery. Um, and then it was... Yeah, it was Amy and Duncan that had said, oh, we know this other couple who've been talking about a bakery. Shall we all speak together? And I know in your um, Golden Hair episode, you were talking about the basement in Smith & Gertrude, that beautiful yes. um, basement room they have there. So the five of us would meet down there and that's oh where we planned God. Company I Bakery. This is like a film. Uh, so I yeah, can imagine like plotting out. <laughs> exactly, we'd like creep down with this bottle of wine. And just talk about all these ideas. Um, Sashana, Ben and Sashana are chefs and Sashana was um, making her own bread for Edinburgh Food Studio. And so she had this great recipe, great technique. And uh, they had this beautiful starter that was made with um, grapes that Ben's mum had grown. So it had all this kind of romantic, wow. um, yeah. romantic story behind it. And we thought, you know, we could each take a little bit of our experience and put it together to, um, to make this bakery. And the name company came about because um, it comes from the same place as um, companion. Uh, so com meaning with or together, pan being bread. So uh, your your companions are your your bread fellows, your the people you break oh, bread with, and wow. that's what that's where company comes from. And I just thought that was so lovely that you um, you know your company are, are your friendship groups, but it's, it's the people you eat bread with, and that's it was gorgeous. bread that brought us together. Sour, like a, a sheer passion for the sourdough um, for our own businesses and to share with other people that's what brought us together um, that's our company uh, wow. so that's kind of where that came from um, that is such a lovely story I don't think a lot of people would well I, I don't think I was aware of, of how you got how Company Bakery came about a huge fan of your bread I, I mean oh, incredible thank you <laughs> but, um, yeah about you kind of having that partnership is what is gorgeous the way you even describe it is lovely yeah it was not in, intended not expected it wasn't uh in any plans um yeah. I've spoken to lots of friends with businesses and some of them are really strict um believers and followers of the five-year plan and this is my goal yeah. this is where I'm going but I'm mm. 
I'm so crap at that. I'm like, oh, hey, do you want to start a bakery? Cool, let's go and do that. Like, I'm just like a magpie for these shiny opportunities that are sometimes um, driven by, um, very rarely driven by monetary incentives and more often drawn by yeah. uh, creative or um, community-based kind of good feelings. Um, yeah. You know, just, just want to be a part of something nice or to create something wonderful, um, which is maybe not the best business move because, you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's that, worked. So, I mean, it's great with this. I think that's gorgeous. Is that that artistic sensibility then? Like you talked about being an art student and how that's kind of, because that, that's also, I feel, really evident in your uh, website when you go into your website and you kind of get that feeling of it being, it, it just having its own um, personality, I think, as a brand. But do you think that kind of being an artist informs your business in a different way or, or it kind of gives you a different approach like you say yeah for sure I think there's a lot of crossover between um art school and and running a business um mm. I just had a conversation with my friend Mary who I was at college with she has a business of her own and we mm. um we're in the same course and we were talking about the similarities in preparing an exhibition you know you um mm research your piece you practice you do different mock-ups uh, you try a bunch of stuff out uh, then you have to figure out how to display it then you've got to figure out how to um like communicate with the gallery communicate with um uh people who you're advertising with you get posters printed where do the posters go uh do you write to the skinny to put an ad up like how you promote yourself and how you yeah. organize and all of the stuff we did was before social media if you can believe in such a time um, <laughs> so we were you know like flyering leafleting doing old school kind of marketing um and it's that like was just to, really... you have to like get off your backside and actually like get it yeah I mean you, you but you're doing everything yeah. and in the same way like when you run a business you are oh, I don't know you're the you're the CEO you're the chief coffee maker you're the I mean obviously you've got a team now but you are you having that background of having to be responsible for everything would serve yeah. you so well yeah and it means that you have this huge creative input but then you also have this like really big administration input um mm. and as I said before like you take nothing and make it into something that's what yeah. our degree was we were just you know um yeah. I was particularly interested in performance video installation sound bookmaking but things that were uh, interactive things that brought people together to share a space to share an experience in a space and so there's a lot of crossovers with that in art school I had a real problem kind of talking about that in the early days because I thought it just sounded so pretentious you know oh you know my cafe is like an extension of my art practice like shut up what a load <laughs> of wank but I used to chat to my friend um, about this he's an artist and and he was like yeah yeah it is an, ex an extension of your practice and I was like oh you know it does sound pretentious but it, it's true there's a performative aspect to hospitality like there's a something about well having worked in hospitality myself I, I feel well I not that I'm performing but I think there's a definitely an element of um you all showing up for the customer in a way that you have yeah. you, do you know what I mean like uh, yeah and there's yeah. A, a pulling together I, I completely yeah I hear you I get yeah I'd agree <laughs> yeah so it's, that, it's that thing of um yeah you're you're putting on a show every day you are inviting people into your space and you are making them feel good and you are serving yeah. them a coffee and it's um 
every day is an exhibition, you know. Uh, yeah. Sounds <laughs> so pretentious, that. but, but it, does, it does feel true. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Mary now has Mary's milk bar in the grass market. Um, <gasps> oh, wow. Right. Incredible the uh, gelato. Yeah, the only Mary. Yeah. Um, and our, our <laughs> other friend, Anna. Yes. Um, Anna, who is also at college with us, opened Bakery 47 in Glasgow. They've since shut down, but um, just this weird little like burst of women from our class making these kind of creative mm. businesses, which was yeah, funny how the the connections were kind of there. Um, yeah. yeah. So this this artistic a uh, flair that you have, and this artist that well, you are an artist. Because I'm interested in how that also um, informs the other kind of part of your business, the with the retail side in terms of like the offer that you have the pro the home kind of homewares you, you you carry as well and so is that because tell us a bit more about that side of the business as well because I think that's something that we were just saying before recording is maybe come to the fore a little bit more in a certainly in the Westport branch than others yes. that maybe had done in the past yes yeah. um that actually came about like everything's a kind of um about kind of connections so when we very first opened um this young couple with a four-day-old baby came into to Westport and it turns out it was uh, Stevie and Nadia who have Century General Store and their baby was Robin who's now like a teenager because we've been going for so long um this is like beautiful family who we kind of kept in touch with each other we opened our businesses at similar times and we kind of yeah kept up with what each other were up to and when we opened the Stockbridge branch we had this kind of space that we didn't want to cram full of people and we thought how lovely would it be to have a little retail offering just with lovely things that we want to buy and Century General Store was someone who I just always looked to as having just lovely um, useful practical affordable aesthetically pleasing things uh, and I thought that would be lovely to have in the cafe so I spoke to Stevie we agreed on this kind of pop-up um, and we, we were we referred to it as the outpost so he's got his general uh-huh. store which is his hub and then he had a, an outpost at um, mini love crumbs so he filled that whole space and then to kind of complete the circle we filled the wardrobe at um, Westport which used to be full of cakes it was a cake wardrobe which we then kind of moved around we filled that with all of his retail as well so we had all these um, mugs glassware coffee making equipment uh, stationery magazines all of the lovely things that he found um, and he had them in the wardrobe at Westport and in that room in, in St Stephen Street and people just responded really well to it um, it looked lovely it fitted in with our aesthetics and our values and the kind of price point was great and so we did that for about a year and it was really lovely a really nice partnership I have a lot of time for Stevie and Nadia I think they're just uh, what they do is really lovely and they think about things in a really interesting way they put their family and their life so much into their business they try and have such a good Mm -hmm. balance which is something Mm -hmm. I'm always a little envious of because I really find that difficult, but I really admire people who make their business work for them. Um, yeah. And after about a year, Stevie had to make some changes with his business. He wanted to focus more on things at, um, at Abbey Hill. So he said, you know, he was going to pull out of the shops. And that's when I thought, oh God, it's October time. Christmas is coming. 
do I have time to find someone to fill the space or should I just like go shopping? So I just went and bought a bunch of stuff that I liked. And some of it was people we'd worked with before. The Atlas Works is a really lovely glass producer. Um, They're based in London and all their glassware is made in the Atlas Mountains. And so they were kind of on the initial list. And then just kind of from there, similar uh similar vibe so anyone that I was kind of interested in anything that I quite like the look of that thought customers might quite like the look of we kind of bought that in and so some things are like from keep cup or kinto so much bigger companies but then we've got some lovely like Steph little ceramics um yeah and some really like small individual pieces so it was a way to just kind of go shopping and and we filled the space for Christmas and then you know, there's a great response to it. So it's something I've always kind of wanted to do. Uh, I came from a retail background. I really love um, the sourcing and the buying and the sharing yeah. of these finds with people. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where that came from. And then when lockdown happened, we had to reduce our, um, reduce the number of tables we had at Westport. Uh, mm-hmm. And for a while we were just doing takeaway only. So it seemed like a nice way to maybe just... Uh, fill the space uh, and then also to bring in some extra money because you don't need as many staff for retail as you do for for um for the cafe so we can keep our staffing kind of at a minimum and even now that we're open we're reduced tables so the staffing can kind of stay low we can serve all the customers and then there's this additional um retail which can sometimes bring in you know a couple of quid in the day or if you have a busy weekend it can be 20 or 30 percent of your take which is just a, a bonus um especially at yeah. this moment in time absolutely I, I mean yeah and so uh, we touched touched a little bit on lockdown there I mean because yeah it's it's well it's been a really particularly challenging time I think for hospitality um been challenging time for so many different sectors for so many different reasons but hospitality I think has had a, a unique challenge in that the the guidance has changed has had to have changed you know throughout the year um and so how how has that been I think because you've, you've had to kind of constantly adapt I guess you at least you you have that offering that you can do takeaway and things but there was a while I'm trying it's hard to think back now to April but there was a while when of course <laughs> takeaway, takeaway wasn't allowed I guess that, that wasn't because I remember yeah. takeaway slowly being offered again but how has it been how has the past I can imagine it being a bit of a whirlwind oh, it's been fucking awful um <laughs> <laughs> and really like heartening and promising, but fucking exhausting. Um, yeah. The fourth string in my bow is our new bakery. So I had a friend doing cakes for us, um, but the plan was always to open back up, open our own bakery back up. Um, we'd been doing catering jobs. People would call and be like, hey, can I have this weird, really specific cake? And then I'd have to phone the other, you know, I'd have to phone my friend and be like, hey, can you make this really weird cake? And he'd be like, no, forget that. He's very good at being strict. And I'm kind of like a yes gal. I'm like, yeah, whatever you want, I'll do it. Um, So they were like really doing their thing really well. But when it came to things like catering, I didn't have a space for that. And people would come to me asking for wholesale. And I can't offer wholesale when I'm not in charge of that. So I would send them to my friend. But then people would be like, oh, can we do like an, a Love Crumbs afternoon tea? And I'm like, well, no, because I can't buy this cake from my friend and then call it a Love Crumbs afternoon tea. Um, 
So I just yeah. felt like we really, I just really wanted to um, have more control over what we were making in the kitchen, be able to say yes to all these wholesale requests, catering requests, wedding cakes. Um, and I also uh, really have this desire to be like a posh Greg's, to have like <laughs> puddled up pork sausage rolls and <gasps> yes. macaroni pies and donuts and just be like a posh Greg's that does everything yeah. that people like really want to eat, but like super super nice with loads of butter and mm-hmm. delicious things so gorgeous I just had this like desire and I knew that we'd have to eventually get our own bakery and this like hunk of junk bakery on Morrison Street came up it's the all-night bakery on Morrison Street people have so many fun memories of it um yes yeah on the corner oh my god and, yeah. and it came up for rent and I was like fuck it let's get it let's do it yeah and kind of rushed in blindly to the fact that it was like so disgusting um I needed to get like I need to replace the ceilings I needed to uh, tear the floor up uh I needed to replaster all the walls get everything rewired uh because it was like when is this this was um I took it over last July and we finally started baking the end of October and we opened it's got a little front um shop we finally opened that last December so we'd I'd spent like six months, way more time, way more money, way more energy setting this bakery up than I had anticipated. But like I was saying before, like everything was going well. The cafe was making loads of money. So we had money saved. And I just thought, let's spend it all on a bakery. And uh, oh my God, <laughs> it like broke me. I was crying, scraping oh like gunk off the floor. Um, it really took a lot out of me and was quite stressful um then we opened in December finally it felt like such a long time coming such a relief to be open got off to a really good start really positive feedback and we were making lots of pastry doing all the cakes for love crumbs and kind of getting back into that making our own thing but Mm -hmm. keeping that aesthetic keeping the values the same kind of naturally flavors although we added some sprinkles so we now have this spectacular sprinkle birthday cake which birthday cake's (laughs) gorgeous yes it kind of like leaves leaves all of that like natural thing behind but we're like who cares it's just great (laughs) to have something so joyful um (laughs) so we kind of wanted to maintain all of that but then also be this like posh greggs and have pastries and all these nice things and then lockdown hit and I was like holy fuck I've just spent all my money I've gone into massive amount of debt I've taken on this like huge project that's going to require loads of money being paid back and now we're closed and I just had like a massive panic thought it was like the end of the world I was gonna have to call my landlord and be like you picked the wrong gal sorry but actually (laughs) Going back to your question, we it was the only thing that could stay open because the cafes all had to shut, but we were allowed to do deliveries because we were a food delivery service. Um, yeah. So the yeah. very first weekend in lockdown, we'd already ordered all our cakes. So I had a cafe full of cakes, but I had to shut my doors. So I just sat on Instagram and was like, does anyone want to buy a whole cake? I'll drive it to you. And just put everything on stories. And it was like outrageously successful. Um so we did it again and we oh, just wow. made a bunch of cakes and I sat on Instagram stories being like, does anyone want this cake? I'll bring it to your house. And I love that. I realized, you know, buying a whole cake on a whim 
um, wasn't for everyone. So I started like cutting them up and making these selection boxes with cookies and cakes and buns. And was like, does anyone want this? Like this one's 10 pounds, this one's 30 pounds. I don't know why I'm making this up as I go along. And we were shut. So I was like, shit, I've got coffee going bad. I was like, does anyone want a kilo of coffee? Cost price, we'll just throw it in there. Like just whatever, um, just to make some money. Um, yeah. So it was like mad hustle. Uh, we didn't know about furlough. I didn't know really what was going to happen. So we were just kind of scrapping around. Um, but then furlough was announced, um, which took a lot of pressure off. We have, you know, 15 in the team, yeah. 16 in the team. So that was a, a real, um, real relief. But we had one baker who just started and she was not eligible for furlough. Oh. And at, at that moment, like, my team were the first thing in my mind. They were my priority, keeping hold of them with nothing in the bank. We had no reserve. We spent it all in the bakery. So we'd gone from a really sound financial position last July to being like, fucked. Like it was so stressful. Um, so I had this girl and was like, I can't, I can't pay you to not work. So I had to decide either I could furlough myself and we could just shut down. Or we could just like pull a delivery service out of our arse. She could run it. <laughs> so I would run it with her. Um, and so that's kind of what we did. I was like, we need to pay you. How are we going to make enough money to pay you? You got to work. Yeah. Let's work. So I was like, oh, yeah. bye furlough. Yeah. Forget that. I'll just do this. So <laughs> it was actually two bakers it took. We had two bakers baking. And I was like processing all of the orders, packing them up, delivering them, was back to these like 12 hours, 12 hour days, seven days a week. It was so tiring and stressful. But then eventually we brought um, another one of our team back. Ursula has been with us for seven years. Uh, So I was like, you are second in command. This is like now half of your business. You've got to help me. (laughs) And so she came back to help with the admin. And then slowly we just started filtering people back in and the deliveries went mad. It was amazing. Um, so successful. Oh, amazing. Which was really hard. People be happy to have joy. Oh, my God. I was like, we're not essential. Yeah. We can't do it. But every time I knocked on someone's door, oh. people would be like screaming, crying, so grateful. And, you know, you turn up at someone's house at three o'clock with a tray of buns and they're like, this is what I'm doing today. I am waiting for buns. <laughs> I am eating buns. Like that was the event of the day because there's nothing to do. Yes. Nowhere to go. Yeah. People just trapped at home. And I was turning up at people's houses with trays of buns and they were like, this is my day. And it's just. You are like sent from heaven. Yeah. So heartening. (laughs) Um, And it was so hard. But we were kind of, I was like, we're doing it for this baker. She's not going to get paid if we don't do this. So we're doing it for her. Mm. And then we started doing it. I was like, oh my God, we're doing it for all these people who are so bored and nervous and tired of being stuck at home. And we're turning up with a little, you know, ray of hope for their their day or their week or whatever. Some people were ordering every single week. I got to know a whole bunch of them. Um, It was really lovely. It was back to those early days of the shop, having that community and, um, and, you know, and serving them and kind of being in it together. And is it the same people are you reaching new people were you sort of like were these all your people who would normally come into the into the shop or was it like a whole other people you're reaching um, you know uh, uh, reaching with the social media and through delivery now a huge combination I would turn up at people's houses and be like oh my god it's you 
oh my God, it's you. Like all of the regular faces, I'd turn up being like, here's your stuff, I've got to go. Oh my God, how's it going? And um, and some were other business owners who, you know, were su- just really trying to support as many people as they could. And um, some were customers who we've had, you know, we have this group uh, that come in every Saturday. They've come in every Saturday since we first opened. Um, and they were ordering a weekly box so they could have a Zoom with each other whilst eating love crumb stuff it was so nice and I'd always go to them last because I'd spend half an hour standing on their doorstep just chatting and a couple of times I'd be like (laughs) it's really sunny I've got to go so my cakes don't melt so I just was like you know what I'm coming at the end and we'll just have a chat Um, but then a whole bunch of people were sending stuff to their friends so maybe it was the customer was a regular but the recipient had never heard of us and then yeah I guess a bunch of people who just found us on social media I think that's lovely. That's what's kind of um, come across from a number of different people I've spoken to is about social media coming into its own, I think, at this at this point in, in I think, connecting with, with customers, but also being honest in a, in a way that I think, well, I think the, the conversation around, are you all right, has changed very much this year. And I think in terms of business, it's business owners saying, yeah, this is really hard. This is really shy. And actually, I'm going to have to be honest with you here. Or, or you know, and I think it's connecting with people in, in a way that is so authentic. You know, you know, it just feels very different this year, doesn't it? Yeah, you've got a real uh, direct connection, um, which is really lovely to have because it means you can say, like, we're not open today because of this. Really sorry. Instead of just slapping yeah. a closed sign on your door. I mean, which a lot of yeah. people still see. And it's very much worth remembering that um, when people come into Love Crumbs, most of them is just people walking past. So I think it's really easy to fall into that social media um, little bubble of being like, you know, mm-hmm. we all live online now and it's where everything is communicated. Actually having those people in real life um, coming in the shop, so many of them are just passing. So it's kind of these two things. But yeah, yeah the, the direct mm-hmm. communication you can have through social media is really... Uh, it's really lovely and you know we had this little um like private business owner group chat where everyone was like have you got your grant yet have you got your grant yet I applied on first and it's not come through and someone else is like I applied yesterday and it's come through and just you know chatting about that was was really good yeah Uh, lots of like weird little partnerships have sprung up um but I always thought in the beginning you know the worst is yet to come and I think we're at that stage now going into winter People have been locked down again. Um, and it's just keeping that momentum up. I think, you know, a lot of the deliveries I went on, I'd go in to someone's stair and there'd be notices up. If you need anything during lockdown, let me know. Um, I live at number 14. Give me a call if you need a you know a coffee and a chat. And that's gone. It's yeah. all gone from like well, when I'm on deliveries yeah. now. I don't see those signs anymore. Um, and there's still people shielding. And actually... You know, financially we're in a worse position now because Westport's open everyone sees how busy it is and they're like god you must be fine but the bakery we're 70 percent down because all the commuters have stopped commuting Gosh. all the offices are gone um and so really yeah. we were um we relied on the bakery income and then wholesale was a kind of like bonus that's flipped which means we're working um, twice as hard twice as long for half the money because obviously wholesale Gosh, is less yeah. so yeah you know I think it's a really tough time and being open doesn't necessarily mean 
we're doing better than someone who's closed. Uh, it's just yeah. different challenges, um, different worries, different kind of problems. Um, and so, yeah, I think social media has been really good for people uh, being direct and having conversations and sharing. Um, but there's still a lot of shit going on that people aren't talking about and are struggling with. Yeah. I feel like I'm failing when I need to dip into my loan to pay staff. You know, I've, I feel like that's a failure of my business. Like I'm not a good businesswoman who can generate enough money to keep it going. No. And you know, it's a really, it's a really tricky time because people don't like talking about things like this. And I walk into your cafe yeah. with your delivery and I'm like, listen to this disaster I'm having today. And it's amazing. People yeah. are kind of like, oh yeah, we put this thing up on social media about, you know, all the nice Christmas stuff we're doing, but actually we've got all these struggles. So it's a kind of double-edged sword you can you can be very controlled with what you say so you can say you know we are really struggling but actually maybe like you're really really struggling and it's yeah it's interesting it's like a sanitized version yeah it's what you want to share with your customers you don't want to say like oh god we're in dire straits we're really clinging on for dear life yeah that's not a cool yeah. vibe you don't want to come in and be like hey I'm having a coffee and I'm like my too so I some pay my stuff like it's <laughs> also it doesn't match the grid I feel like oh that picture wouldn't go with the, the aesthetic I'm going for I mean just crying in the car but you're so you're so right like it's it's that pressure as well to kind of save face and like and yeah it's like an another added pressure to put on you on top of all the other things that you're having to think about as a business so yeah yeah, yeah. oh god I mean I thank you for for speaking so honestly about it and for for yeah just sharing your experience I think it's really powerful and just uh, yeah so thank you so much <laughs> the past couple of months it's just I can't keep a lid on it anymore it's just like coming out um because uh, yeah. it is really hard but the the things that made me keep the Westport shop when I split with my business partner are the same things mm. that made me, you know, fight to keep the business open now. It is the community. Mm. It's that joy delivering a cake to someone. Um, it's seeing two people come into Love Crumbs who've not seen each other for months during lockdown and having a coffee. Yeah. Um, and they're sitting in their coats because yeah. they've got the door open for ventilation, but they don't care. You know, they don't care that the big breeze <laughs> coming in. Um and they don't care yeah. that I have to, they have to queue to get to the toilet because I have to sanitize it after every single person. Like there's things that change, <laughs> but people are just glad to see each other and to be part of that, to facilitate yeah. that, to, um, to have a place for staff to come to as well. Oh my God. I was so worried about reopening because I don't want to put anyone at, at risk. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable at yeah. work. Um, oh, there's another, another another thing for you to think about as a business as well. You're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the bloody virus. Yeah, sure, yeah. why not? Um, because when we reopened, I was like, oh, okay, we've got people with respiratory illnesses um, on the team. Uh, we've got people who are uh, really affected, like they're just high anxiety around the, the virus, which everyone has, and some people just have it worse than others. And I thought, how can I make customers feel safe, of course, but also the team, Um because some of them are desperate to come back. They, you know, they just want the social interaction. They want a purpose with their day, you know, sitting at home on furlough, doing nothing. But I can imagine it gets very boring um, and, you know, isolating and, and quite depressing. So a lot of them are like, we want to come back. Um, so it's really like 
at first there weren't so many rules or guidelines about like screens and sanitizing and whatever. So we just kind of went whole hog and I don't think masks were mandatory when we reopened, but we always, we made them mandatory for us and we had a screen and we sanitized the life out of everything. So I think we kind of, we felt like we were maybe a bit overkill, but we thought we'd rather just do that. And then actually the kind of guidelines have caught up and we're still pretty good on them. Like we're on the stricter side. Um, but we kind of just did that the whole time yeah. because I want people to feel, I'd rather people feel a bit like annoyed at wearing a mask all day, but safe than, yeah, than feeling like, What's I don't feel great being at work, you know, without a mask on. So uh, those were all kind of like yeah. mad challenges, but that was the, the driving force, like having this great team who've, mm really like stepped up um who've taken on more responsibility who've just accepted the fact that i'm like here's the rotor for the week oh hang on change the rotor for the week um oh hey we've changed this oh hey you've got all these retail products to learn about like i just keep throwing shit at them and we do these like weekly zoom <laughs> meetings with everyone which i just eventually stopped because i was like i do it and then the next day there's a new regulation and it's changed so send these like mega emails oh my god um, and have these chats and just trying to keep up to date with people um whilst also you know during lockdown you're phoning uh, three sets of landlords three sets of utilities to phone phone all people being like i'm not paying you i don't have any money so <laughs> you know i'm like i can't pay that um so in the first few months being like not paying that and then as things open being like okay we have to renegotiate how we're going to do this because you know landlords are in that same situation you know that's their income so we had all of these negotiations to do and all these regulations and reduced capacity and this bakery that's making stuff for like takeaway wholesale online orders um and the online orders were huge and then they totally dropped and the takeaway was huge and then it dropped and then the sit-in is really busy so it's kind of like all these moving parts always changing but just having the team back was so good so yeah the driving yeah. force behind keeping going has always been um the, the people so the team that we have and and the customers that we have um some days i'll like i'll be so stressed about a bill that needs paid or a new regulation or a, a complete disaster in the schedule or some order that hasn't arrived and some like terrible thing will happen i won't sleep i'll be having mad anxiety about it and then I deliver a cake to someone and I'm like, is delivering a cake to someone worth all of that? Like it's affecting my health. My whole life revolves around this business that isn't making enough money to pay me anymore. And um, I just wonder if it is worth it. Um, but at the end of the day, it always is for the the community. So yeah, we'll still be here tomorrow. We'll see what happens next week, but we'll still be here tomorrow. <laughs> Um, yeah I think that's oh yeah you, I think people will be listening to this and I mean I, will be like me and thinking it's incredible what you've achieved Holly like it's incredible what you you know drawing on these reserves like we we're talking about earlier just like digging so deep 
right, okay, right, that's a new challenge, that's a new thing, we can't do that anymore, fine. And holding, I think that's the other thing is, you know, being a, at the head of a business, you're holding so much, like you're holding all these government regulations, you're holding also the staff and, you know, that emotional connection to them and thinking, because also, you you know, well, a lot of people, I know I go to work because it's so, it's motivating and I, I like a team and I like all of that. And you'd be thinking, I want to give that to them again and I want them back and I need them back. And there's just a, so much that's, you're taking on emotionally as well. And I just think it's, yeah, to speak about it so uh, so beautifully, I think is really, it's that, yeah, just thank you for sharing that. I think it's just such a really important thing to share. Um, and that connection, that community is is at the heart of it all. And I think that is what's going to help us through this, but also what the future of the high street's all about, because that is fundamentally... Yeah why we need each other right? going for coffee and cake is as old as the hills because that we, we need to break bread exactly like you say with yeah. those we love yeah it's so important. and it's one thing you can't do online yes um i think that's that's a real um it's like promising to me mm. it's uh it's a feeling of safety in that like maybe all retail will go online eventually and you won't have a single shop. Like, I doubt that'll happen. Yeah. People like Golden Hair, um, people like uh, Bontot and uh, The Method and Treen, all the lovely shops. Like, yeah. oh my God, those were the days. Like, you can't buy that stuff online. You have to go in and experience it and see it and yeah. love it. So I don't think we'll ever get to a point where everything everything goes online. But, you know, with Amazon and you've got... Uh, the supermarkets are online and ASOS and all these things are online. They kind of chip away at the high street, but you can't get the experience of being in a cafe online. So that's, it feels really um, promising, really reassuring, like bars, cafes, restaurants can't go anywhere because you, you can't get that, that experience anywhere else. Um, yeah. So I do, you know, I do feel I th- there's a lot to feel negative about, but I still have these flashes of um, hope and optimism about the future of the cafes and the bakery and having these pop-up events, having pop-up dinners, having um, yes, yeah. shopping events, having, we do a wreath making class every Christmas with Pyrus. And obviously we can't do it this year, which is just devastating, but all of these lovely things uh, can only happen in real life. And so whenever I'm having a kind of dark moment, where I just think, you know, what, what is, is it worth it? Is it worth all this stress? Um, I just think if you can hang on till the springtime, till the summertime, um, and then we can do these pasta dinners and we can have pizza nights and yes. wreath-making classes at Christmas time. Um, these are experiences you can't have online. Um, and yeah, talking about, you know, having events again and, and, um, and welcoming customers back into your shop is really the kind of, hopeful aspect that that does brighten slightly those darker moments yeah absolutely because we fundamentally i keep saying this like everyone will listen i'll be like fundamentally we're social animals like we're made we live in groups like normally you know if we're thinking back to how we live like we live in groups we need each other we rely on each other it's the only thing that will make us feel better and i went to a seminar the other day where they were like you know zoom is so or Zoom or, or, you know, insert a on, online platform here. But it's so, um, it's so discombobulating for the mind because you're like, like, even when I'm looking at you now, like, 
there's 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 a lag like my my laptop's trying to lap and so there's times when you know like my, my brain's trying to work it out but actually having you in front of me on like a, a a coffee table is something that we all can we all need right now so I think that you're yeah you're basically providing a public service Holly is what I'm saying like it's like <laughs> for like <laughs> for our, all of our mental health right now it, it so does feel cool. like that seeing people come together in the cafe um especially with bars and restaurants closed even if you're not a drinker and you're not like into eating out not having the option to do that in the evening means that it's so valuable during the day to cram in a walk to a coffee shop um or uh, Mary and I like to go on these kind of big walks around town we went for fish and chips last week um and just having that that physical connection with someone even if you're distancing even if you're outside um is so important and yes come into the shop who've maybe not seen each other for ages or who maybe just come in once a week because that's their thing you know it's it's where they get their social contact Um, or when they they shut the restaurants we went through the roof like people were calling up trying to book but we don't take bookings but they were like getting dozens of phone calls because birthday dinners were no longer an option so everyone was having birthday cake and coffee and because people still need to mark these things they still need to celebrate these things and online you can't have that same experience so um yeah we've definitely felt um, felt that like need for a place to meet um over the past couple months couldn't agree more um just i suppose we're kind of coming to the end of our our time together but very aware of you're a a busy woman so i don't want to hold you back any longer that uh you touched upon um the kind of private uh, the private business chat and the, that community that you've got you've got obviously so many connections around Edinburgh and, and you know beyond but um who at the moment either is during lockdown or just generally you think you look to and you think oh yeah you're 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 great you're you're doing great things um well having listened to a couple of your other episodes I think a lot of people have been talking about um retail and I'm going to talk maybe a bit more about food and drink so it's maybe slightly different but um I mentioned Herman Brown before uh I think their vintage clothes are like some of the best in Edinburgh it's so lovely um but our area there is just so great for so many things so we've got a lovely flower shop on the street um Lily West we've got Stag Barber around the corner at Timberyard is such a beautiful space and although I love um, or loved uh, eating there what I really love is sitting at the bar with a glass of wine after work and just having that really like nice Mm -hmm. end to the day in a beautiful Mm -hmm. space with some beautiful wine so just these like small little moments that you can kind of gather up Um, so our area is really quite special Mary's nearby you know I think it's it's a good good area um, but a couple of other people we've worked with, I just really admire Pyrus. Um, mm. They're more event floristry um, and they don't have a site in town, but they have a lovely garden in your Pink Caitlin and they're, you know, planting all their own stuff, growing all their own British flowers um, to use in weddings and to use events. And I just think that's such a big, bold, amazing business, you know, to have yeah. that like, real earthy connection to have just this huge space to be growing your own things like it's such a kind of conviction with your you know your you've got such conviction in your product and in your values that you just 
become a flower farmer like I think that's really cool <laughs> also um the free company they are oh yeah they're um, great so they're great. amazing uh, we started they did uh um their very first pop-up and it was like in a tent on their land um, and they cooked this lamb uh, like a crucifix over a open fire and they had all these cocktails and we went along to this very first pop-up and kind of got chatting to Angus um, then and we just kept in touch the whole time so I, I go every every time I can try and go twice a year to their their pop-up yeah. dinners um, out at their farm in, Bal- farm in Balerno um, and then they grow their own free range pigs so we started this um, pig club drop-off point thing so they they grow this pig you can buy a pork subscription and so you get like a meat box once a month and if you're not in to get your meat box they leave it at love crumbs and we have our own meat fridge especially for the pork and you can collect it there Um, and so that's a kind of funny little weird connection we have but I just think what they do is great and they've obviously had to stop their dinners and so they've just started a veg box scheme and I think just that seamless um you know change of your businesses it was like basically the only thing you can do like you can't just have this field of rotting vegetables but they just were like yep let's let's sell it so that i think they are very cool um melis of course is like a cheese heaven oh my god so i think they the dream i love shopping there Um, and they've just they're one of company bakeries uh customers we sell bread to them Mm. and they if the bread sales are anything to go by, they've just been killing it all lockdown. You know, they just <laughs> aren't absolute essential for lockdown. The cheese and bread, it's so good. Um, who else? Lucky Liquor and The Last Word, I think, are just like the best oh cocktail bars ever. Um, and I think that's the thing, like them, Tim Biard, um, people like Smith and Gertrude, Noto and Azel, um all of these people are about that experience um, and mm. all of them have been like shit what do we do takeaway yeah. online orders for home delivery little chart room having a pop-up at the prom um, in Portobello and doing their yeah. home deliveries I think you know, hospitality have had such <sighs> a huge challenge and they've responded yeah. so well and Edinburgh has been really supportive of that so I think that's great and I can't wait for all of them to open back up again um, yes. And then down in St. Stephen Street, that's just an incredible shopping street. Um, The method, I was always too afraid to go in there with a hangover because I'm like, I will taint their sacred space. Um, And then I got to know Dan and Jodie and they're just like the nicest people. And they don't care. Come in hungover. They just like spritz you with something that smells nice and you go off feeling great. But, you know, I think when you can create that like, otherworldly uh, environment for people to shop in that's so special um so I think something like that's amazing then Homer on Howe Street is just this like mad collection of rooms um, which I always go into yeah yeah Yeah. I just love that setup um, and love that feeling of just like abundance and having stuff everywhere so I love shopping there um and yeah, just places that kind of create their own world and suck you in, like the old schoolness of Mellis, um, bars like Bennett's and the the Blue Blazer, you yeah. know, just their yeah. own little world. Um, I think, you know, that's what I 
what I really gravitate to is, is that, that yeah. experience. Yeah. Oh, I love it. You know, people should be, well, people, I know people have actually uh, messaged me to say that they follow Instagram, like they actually like look people up as people are speaking on, on the podcast, pause it, like look them up and like note them <laughs> down. And that's exactly what you've done. You've kind of given a beautiful like a description of places where people can buy things like the at-home things at the moment, but also create a great list of all the gorgeous restaurants and places to go after all this is over and we can get out and enjoy yeah. things again. Although I know... um because actually also I didn't know Timber Yard did glass of wine I thought you had because I've been in for dinner and lunch but that would be gorgeous a glass of wine at the bar oh I can't wait for I, that I love it um, and it's kind of it's not a secret but they don't really advertise it so it's great because it means there's almost always a seat and oh, it's just that, that huge big space that's always kind of noisy with chatter but you'd never hear what anyone's saying so it's just this kind of yeah. buzz and I'll take like the newspaper from the end of the day or a magazine and just sit and like soak all of that in. Um, yeah. I also really miss Blackfriars for that. I don't know if you were around I for Blackfriars. No. Oh, they were on Blackfriars Street. And oh my God, it was my favourite bar in Edinburgh. Um, they would just do like a bowl of chips with Bernie sauce. You'd get a glass of wine. And I would always go in. I think they went at four wow. o'clock and I would be there at four o'clock with my laptop. <laughs> I'd be there alone and sit and do some work and chat to Wes, who was behind the bar, chat to Georgie, who ran it. And um, you, yeah, it was just that its own little world where you could just have a glass of wine and chips, which was like the best thing ever. And just be, yeah, part of this really quiet moment before the after work crowd would rush in and fill it up. And um, yeah. and I really do like that. And I really do miss that, having that um, glass of wine after work, either with someone or mm. it's quite nice just to do it alone. My job is yeah. talking to people all day, yeah. <laughs> fixing problems all day. <laughs> Um, I need to be and Stephen. yeah exactly fuck off give me a glass of wine and St Stephen Street um, and Smith and Gertrude is so good for that um, Smith and Gertrude is good for that as well because you can have a chat with whoever's working but then also they are busy they have to go off and they just leave you to have a glass of wine and not talk and it's great and I, I really do miss that because at the moment I'm working like normal running around working in Westport at the weekends I'm on deliveries three days a week at the moment. Um, all the admin that goes with it and just having that hour to yourself out of the house oh. with a glass of wine, that's, I think, the thing I miss most. <laughs> I mean, I think you're all done. A magnum of whatever is going. Uh, I think oh, you've just been such a, a joy, Holly, to speak to. I think, yeah, I, I'm just... I'm just so in awe of what you're what you're doing and what you're kind of all that energy that you're doing you're giving the business and you're supporting your gorgeous team and you're giving us gorgeous coffee and cake all the while do you know what I mean I think that you've got a great place in the both the communities that you're in and yeah thank you <laughs> oh, thank you it's nice to hear after a hard few months <laughs> thank you to all of our customers who have supported us and stayed with us and visited us and have been so kind and patient and um, and yeah just lovely to us and to yes thanks team for being great and thank you for uh, having me on to share my slightly chaotic chaotic story Um, yeah thanks If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating the show, writing a review or telling a friend. It really helps us to be discovered by other like-minded listeners. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at Independent Thinking Podcast, where you can get sneak peeks of our next guest. This series we're focusing on businesses based in and around Edinburgh, with future series focusing on other towns and cities across the country. If you know of an independent business that we ought to know about and other people deserve to know about too, then let us know. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you want to support me to continue to make the show, I would love it if you became a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. From as little as the price of a coffee a month, you receive behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or head to patreon.com slash independent thinking. Bye for now.